We are doing something that I don't know that we've ever done today, and that is that we are sharing a vision with you, um, and it's starting with you guys. And the difference is, vision is one of those things that um, you go to a seminar, you go to a retreat, you read a book, you get a vision, God gives you a vision. One of the hardest things is called vision transfer. How do you take the vision that God gave to you and transfer it to other people? And then beyond that, there's vision alignment. How do you get everybody to get, get on the same page and be at the same point with the vision? And typically what we have done in the past is when I go to a retreat, I take the staff with me, take leadership with me, because I figure rather than going and coming back and regurgitating information to people, as many that can go with me and experience that and take it in together, then we can process it together while we're there and then come back and typically what we do then is we, we make sure that the staff is all on the same page and they're all in agreement and they've all given input and collaborated. And then from there I take it to the elders and then we take it like to an elder uh, deacon staff retreat where we take it to all the leadership and lay leaders as well. And then beyond there I preach it to you as a congregation so that we can all be united in the vision. And we have a leadership retreat coming up on Thursday the 29th. <clears throat> Some of you said, well, the teaser that went out was a little bit unclear as to who's invited to that. And I said, that was intentional. And it was intentional because if you feel an urging or a nudging to be at that, you may not consider yourself a leader. You may not have a title. That doesn't matter. If you have interest and motivation and desire, we'd love to have you at that because we're going to unpack in more detail what we're going to be talking about today. But what is different about today is that rather than starting with staff and then going to elders and deacons and then preaching it to you, we're starting here today and you're getting to hear uh, the vision in all of its fullness, not all of its detail, but all of its fullness this morning. And that vision has to do with discipleship. We are wanting to come up with a master plan of discipleship that will take us the next 10 years as a church and beyond. And some of you are like, seriously? Yes, yeah, seriously. We want to come up with a plan of discipleship that's kind of our roadmap for the next 10 years and beyond. Before Jesus physically left this earth, he charged his followers, his disciples, with what we have come to know as the Great Commission. And that's recorded in the Gospels. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says this, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Two short verses, but in those two short verses, Jesus not only tells us what we are to do, but how we are to do it. They represent not only a charge or a command, but they also represent a promise. As you do this, I will be with you. I will be with you. And Jesus reminds us that he has already left us with the lesson plan. You know, if you've ever substitute taught, it's kind of terrifying. You know, I just was watching a sitcom the other day where somebody was trying to substitute teach and and they were feeling really nervous and really awkward, and they, they started into the lesson, and one of the students raised their hands and said, uh, that was yesterday's lesson. <laughs> and the sub just thought, you know, they were terrified because they knew nothing about the subject matter, 
and all they had to go on was a lesson plan, and then to find out that that was yesterday's, they were just completely... But Jesus has left us with a lesson plan. What he has taught us, we are to teach to others. And friends, the essence of everything I'm going to say today boils down to two questions. These are two questions that I want us to continually be asking one another. The first is, what are you learning? And the second is, who are you teaching that to? What are you learning and who are you teaching that to? The elders and I have just recently gone through a book called Deep Discipleship by J.T. English, and a lot of our vision is coming from the information and the truth in this book, and that's what we're going to be distilling to our leaders, and we're going to be personalizing that uh, for our own situation here at church, taking the principles and making that work for us. But that's a question, two questions we want to continually be asking one another. What are you learning, and who are you teaching? And it kind of dawned on me that the breakdown of discipleship in the church in general, not just our church, but all churches, is that we learn a lot of amazing truth, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's during the week, you're listening to sermons or radio or podcasts, you're reading books, you're talking with others. We're learning a lot of good stuff, but many times we're not doing anything with it. We are not passing it on. We are not intentionally uh, discipling our children or discipling people at work or discipling neighbors. There's a breakdown of the discipleship process because we're consuming a lot of information and transformational truth, but we are not activating it by teaching other people, not just to learn the things that we're teaching them, but to bring them to the point where then they can go and teach somebody else. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, entrust the word to faithful people who in turn will be able to teach others. So it's not Timothy teaches to others, but teach it to others in such a way that they will be able to teach others. And throughout this process of discipleship, what we are going to do early on is as we teach people, we are going to groom them and help them to be teachers. Like a few weeks later, I'll be like, okay, I want you to teach this next time and I'll help you. Because if you have ever taught something, you learn that information in a way that you never do if you're just listening to it. When, you have, when, when I uh, prepare each week for a message, I get a thousand times more out of it than you guys do because I'm assimilating all this stuff. There's a lot that I'm processing. Some of the stuff never makes the paper. It's, it's super informative, super exciting, but it just I decide, you know what, it's not the focus of what we're going to do. So I'm learning all this stuff and then distilling it down each Sunday to what God leads me, the Holy Spirit leads me to be practical for you guys. But through the process of teaching, we learn a lot. But what are you learning and who are you teaching? It's that simple. Discipleship was never meant to terminate with a single disciple. All disciples are called to go and make more disciples. That's the nature of discipleship. It isn't a course that we complete and graduate from. It's a lifestyle. It's the lifestyle of every true Christian. It's supposed to be the lifestyle of every true Christian. A lifelong commissioning, if you will, to further discipleship. <clears throat> I was just telling to people this week, you know, I love the fact that we have our Fave Arabs and our Francis Kingsleys and and our Skip Loomises and some of our seniors that 
are still demonstrating to us a hunger for God's word and learning. I am blessed by the fact that my 83-year-old mom is still discipling women and leading Bible studies, even in her, the fact that she's not driving now. She has a hunger and a desire for that. And it's not that she's all that and knows all this stuff, but she wants to pass the baton to others. And there is something inspiring by people that never stop learning, never stop growing, and model that humility and that heart to be learning from the Lord. I've said this many times, but when you go to the doctor, you want to go to a doctor who is always learning, not somebody who's got a degree on the wall from 50 years ago, and then they've kind of hung it up since. You want somebody who's like, I was just reading about that. There's a journal and a, a periodical, and they've they got this experimental drug. That may work for you. You know, that's the kind of person you want to go to. We admire people that are always learning and growing, and yet we seldom model that in the church and how important that is. Jesus has called our church to make disciples, and it's time for us to stop delegating that responsibility to other people and other organizations. Other ministries can come alongside of us and join us in that, but they will never replace us in our responsibility to make disciples. Historically, as I've said before, churches are really good at training people. We train people to do jobs and tasks, but equipping people is altogether different. When you train somebody, once the job is done, the task is done, oftentimes we're done with them, and we communicate to them, all I needed you for was to make this event happen or do that, that, that job, and people feel kind of used. When you equip people, you are investing in them for the kingdom of God. It's not any benefit per se for us or for the church. It's simply investing in them for kingdom purposes. And when people are invested in, they feel valued. They, they feel incredible appreciation, and they want to pass that on to others. As I said, churches are good at training people, but when you think about it, so are secular corporations. And isn't the church called to do something better? Don't we have a higher calling? And, and absolutely, the answer is yes. Churches are responsible to equip people, equip people for the kingdom of God, to invest in individuals and families, not merely or just to increase the workforce at church and get things done, but to help them grow deeper in their knowledge and their love of the Lord. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. God commissioned and intended for the local church to be the place where people are formed and equipped and sent out to make more disciples. <clears throat> if we don't challenge our people to grow, to press forward, to strain ahead, we will lose them. And, you know, so many churches are focused on just maintaining people that at, at, at best, those people remain in this immature kind of uh, state, and at worst, they leave. But the key question is, are we as a church called to entertain people, or are we called merely to maintain them? And I would say no, and that's the whole argument of deep discipleship. We are called to mature disciples, 
Not to maintain people, not to entertain them, but to mature disciples. That's what it's all about. If we focus on growing our people, they'll mature and become fully formed disciples of Jesus. I love what the Apostle Paul communicates in Galatians 4.19. He's writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, Oh, my dear children. Not here, let me teach you something, but you can tell there's an investment there. You can tell he has a relationship with these people. He, he, they're like they're his own children. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you all over again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed, fully formed in your lives. That was the Apostle Paul's burden and vision. I am working and straining and laboring that Christ would be fully formed in you. And friends, that captures the heart, should capture the heart of every Christian and every church person that our desire is not to make it to the finish line ourselves or just our family, but that all of us would make it as fully formed disciples of Christ. I just I talked recently about marriage and how revelatory that was for me that the purpose of marriage is not for my spouse to fulfill every dream that I've ever had and to complete me, but my job is one day I am going to stand before Jesus and present my wife as he presents the church. And my goal is to allow Christ to use me to fully form my wife into his image. His goal in her life is to use her to fully form me. It's not our sole responsibility to the Holy Spirit. But that's a whole different view of of marriage and of leadership, that Christ would be fully formed and developed in others. And I love that, first of all, discipleship was on Paul's radar, the Apostle Paul's radar. He had a plan, not only a plan for it, but he had the heart for it. He had the heart to see it through to its fulfillment, to its completion, Not, hey, I'm going to plant some seeds of the gospel and then good luck, but I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to labor with you like labor pains until Christ is fully formed and developed within you. Friends, that's discipleship. That's a beautiful picture of what discipleship is all all about. Many of us have a heart for discipleship. We just have no plan. We don't have a plan. We don't know how to make it happen. And friends, here's the bottom line. If we are not making disciples here at CBC and within Ventura, we are never going to make disciples among the nations. Somebody said, don't you think that before we take the gospel to the ends of the earth, we should at least take it to the end of the street? You know, if we're going to go out and disciple the nations, shouldn't we go to the end of our block? and share it with our neighbors? Shouldn't we share it with people at work? Shouldn't we share it with the businesses around us? Put another way, we should never send anybody to make disciples of the nations who isn't already making disciples of their neighbors. But rather than beating each other up for that not happening, let's start equipping each other. Let's start linking arms and joining in this process of discipleship where it's, it's, it's all of our responsibility. It's something that we do together. As disciples of Jesus, our daily prayer should be, God, I'm convinced that you are bringing your presence to this world, and would you please start with me? Please start by using me and start right now. God, I know that you're bringing your presence to this world 
Start with me and start now. That's where it begins. I want you to consider a scenario right now. Let's consider that there's an unchurched person, a non-believer across the street at Starbucks at this very moment, and his name is Jake. Not Jake Dilba, but Jake. Jake is over there. Jake doesn't know the Lord. What would it take for our church to engage Jake, to share the gospel with Jake, to teach Jake, to develop Jake, to disciple Jake, so that 20 years from now, Jake at Starbucks, who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't know the gospel, could be the very next pastor at CBC. That's discipleship. Could we do that as a church? Do we have a plan to make that happen? And if we don't think that that's possible, then then why not? Because that should be possible. That's what discipleship is about, taking somebody who doesn't know the Lord, doesn't have a relationship with them, and training them up to be a leader so that potentially they could be the next pastor of this church. That's discipleship. Our plan involves uh, kind of a simple process of space, scope, sequence, and sending. And without being confused, space is about finding spaces at our church, reclaiming spaces here at church that we can dedicate as learning environments, discipleship places. Scope has to do with the content of what we're going to teach and disciple, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Sequence has to do with moving people from one level of maturity to the other, of lighting a fire under them so that they're not content to stay at the level that they're at, but they want to go to the next level. And then finally, it culminates with sending, that every disciple that we train, we ought to be sending them. That's the whole purpose of training them. So let's talk about the scope of discipleship. This is set forward in deep discipleship, and this is the part where we may decide on some of this and change other things, but, but here's the core of what I'm suggesting for us. The first begins with Bible knowledge, that we train our people in Bible knowledge. That means equipping them to know how to read the Bible. Perhaps it's a class on the story of the Bible, that people see how the, all of the stories of the Bible fit together and where they fit into that story. Studies on specific books of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament survey, things like that. Secondly, we would teach beliefs. Beliefs are uh, doctrine, theology, our church's doctrinal statement, helping people to be able to understand that. That's what we do in new members class. People understand what we believe as a church and why we believe that. Historic creeds and confessions, like the Apostles' Creed which I grew up as a little kid knowing by heart, but not having a clue what it meant, you know? You're, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and you're just rattling this off. It's rich with theology, and you know all the words, but you don't understand the depth of it and teaching that. A class on systematic theology. Apologetics, which is being able to defend your faith, knowing what you believe and why you believe it, and being able to share that with others. Christian worldview understanding that because I believe these things, this is my responsibility and the action that I should take to bring about justice in this world and to advocate for the poor and for those less uh, blessed than I am. And finally, the third area would be spiritual habits or disciplines, things like understanding Sabbath and rest, understanding evangelism, prayer, vocation, calling, 
on and on and on. So Bible knowledge, beliefs, and spiritual habits. Those are the three areas that we would teach. It would be the scope of our discipleship. Study after study shows that Christians, first of all, don't know their Bible. They don't know the basics of the faith or how to practice spiritual disciplines. So I want to talk about each one of these for a moment. I want to start with the Bible. If you think about it, it is impossible to be a follower of Christ without being a student of His Word. Being a student of God's Word is not just for leaders and not just for pastors. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Word of God is, is God-breathed. It's, it's inspired. It's inerrant. It was given to us for the purpose of, of teaching and training in righteousness that the man and woman of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. That's why God gave us his word. And the goal of Bible literacy, of knowing the Bible, is not simply for Bible knowledge, but for participation. Helping people discover how they fit in to God's grand story. Deep discipleship is about pursuing the kind of knowledge that transforms us. It doesn't just inform us, but it transforms us. Because in Scripture, God invites us into deeper fellowship with Himself and greater participation in His mission in the world. It is so exciting when you see what God is doing in the world and how you fit into that. How he uses your unique gifts and skills and passions to further his kingdom in the world. There is nothing more fulfilling in all of life than that. That's what it's all about. Scripture calls us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. And think about it. If we send people out to participate in God's mission without them knowing what his mission is, then we run the risk of inventing our own mission or perpetuating our own ideas, not God's ideas. That's why understanding the Bible is so important. Secondly, beliefs. Basic Christian beliefs are the most practical thing that a church can give its disciples. Often theology is seen as something heady for just leaders or seminarians. But theology literally means words about God. And what could be more practical than words about God, understanding God, understanding how he relates to us and how we can connect with him and communicate with him? Somebody asked the question, J.T. English asked it in Deep Discipleship, when did indoctrination ever become bad? Indoctrination happens almost everywhere in our world today. Songs, schools, books, movies, cable news, social media, literally everything is designed to indoctrinate us. Our people are being shaped and formed into certain ways of believing every day. Where will they ever learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ if not at church? And that's not just my job to communicate on Sunday morning. That is all of our job as believers of Christ to pass on that life and that that message to others. Too many of us trust our untrustworthy instincts rather than the gauges of Christian beliefs. In previous centuries, the church was guided and led by creeds and confessions and catechisms. Those helped the church to be aligned, as I said, in their vision, in their mission of reaching the world. 
It's impossible for doctrineless disciples to love a God that they don't fully know. We run the risk of loving the God of our own creation rather than the God of Scripture. Loving the God of our own creation rather than the God of Scripture. The God that I create that agrees with everything that I agree with. He's for everything that I'm for. He never challenges me to do uncomfortable things. He never convicts me when I do things that are marginal. No, that's not the God of Scripture. When we experience those dark nights of the soul that all of us have from time to time, yeah, we don't need a lecture on divine providence. It doesn't really help us in that moment. But we do need to be able to lean into the beautiful truth and mystery of divine providence that we already know. It's knowing those things in times of chaos that allows us to sink in and hold on to the anchor of the soul because it guides us, it assures us, it comforts us. When we don't disciple our people in basic Christian beliefs, we withhold the very compass that they need to navigate a broken world. That's why knowing doctrine and theology and apologetics and Christian worldview, all of those things are so important. And finally, spiritual habits. We're formed by what we do. The habits we develop shape the kind of people that we are. And again, we're immersed in a world of cultural practices and liturgies that covertly capture our loves and our longings. And they end up miscalibrating us. Somebody said it's like somebody working at the grocery store and going with a price marker, and they go down the aisle, and they change the price of everything. And in so doing, they, they change the value of everything. And that's what the world does to us. They take things that we should value and make them worthless, and vice versa. They miscalibrate us. And, and that's why things like worship and spiritual practices are, are counterformation. They're the way that we do battle, because they remind us and restore us to what's biblical and what's life-giving, rather than the, the deception that the world tries to feed us. And again, the goal is not merely teaching ideas, but it's integrating those ideas into healthy spiritual habits and giving our people the space to practice what they're growing to, to learn and to know. Let them work that out in their life to make it real for themselves. And I believe that relationships are key in this process because, as you've all heard so many times, there are so many things in life that are better caught than taught. J.T. English tells this story of one of his professors in college, and he shares this. He says, he was a great professor because he showed us how to trust God in the midst of deep suffering. I think this particular professor lost his, his wife in the middle of the semester. He said, I learned to trust his teaching because I was learning to trust his life. His life was the curriculum that semester, not the syllabus. Friends, it's when you're in relationship with other believers that you, you latch on to things, you learn things, because so many things are better caught than taught. I mean, that's the essence of parenting. You, you can talk to your blue in the faith, but it's what you model as a parent that your kids learn. <coughs> that's what they pick up on. Well, when we talk about Bible and beliefs and spiritual habits, 
Sequence is important. How do we take people from one level to the next? Sequence is about how we grow our people by giving them increasingly challenging steps, information, or commitment. Sequence is about providing intentional stages of training for our people based on their growth and maturity. And here's the key. The needs of disciples don't change. They just need to be given more, yet at a different level of maturity. So we always need to know Bible knowledge. We always need to know beliefs, and we always need to know spiritual practices. We just offer them at more intense levels in different maturity levels so that we go deeper and deeper at each level. It's not like we got to come up with new topics. Those three topics can take us from now until we see Jesus face-to-face. It's growing within those categories and those topics that is what discipleship is all about. The change is in the depth of the subject material, not the nature of the material. And the key is challenging our disciples at each level and making learning accessible. We start by targeting everybody. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is provided with a learning space or environment. And those learning spaces and environments need to be multi-generational. Because as I said, there is nothing more inspiring than seeing people who are ahead of us in their faith with the Lord and how they are still pursuing Jesus and learning more about him, even though they're people that we consider saints. And there's nothing more inspiring for our older people than to see our younger members as well that are just starting off in their faith and just beginning to learn about Jesus and the church. And that inspires our older people to want to teach them and be involved in their lives. And it's all this synergy. These discipleship spaces become great connecting points for new people at our church as well because they're not as large as our church services and yet they're not as small as our small groups. They're kind of a mid-sized space that's less intimidating for them. And it provides great entry points for new people coming who are trying to understand what it's all about, what it is that we believe. The second level of our discipleship sequence is designed to move people from consumption to contribution. So on the second level, you're not just receiving, but now you're expected to give. You're expected to serve. You're expected to teach. Participants should have already been demonstrating a high level of commitment in the previous discipleship environment that's for everybody. So now at this level, they're challenged to be leading somewhere in our church. And the hope is that as they go and lead, they're taking all of the things that they've been learning and applying it to youth ministry, to children's ministry, to the deaconess ministry, to being an elder, to being a deacon, to serving on the missions team, whatever it is. And the beauty is that as we give people the tools for deep discipleship, they'll, beginning, they'll begin discipling others as well. Because as they get excited about their faith and as they start connecting dots, they'll want to share that with other people. Ultimately, this will become the environment from which we raise up and choose our future elders, our future deacons and deaconesses, our future lay leaders and servants. Our goal in this discipleship practice is to have two different tracks. One is for raising up ministry leaders and the other is for raising up marketplace leaders. Both very, very important. The ministry track will be designed to disciple and develop future preachers, teachers, shepherds, servants who are all growing in maturity. The marketplace training track will be where we invest in our men and women 
who are already leading in the marketplace and help them to have a distinctly Christian impact in their own sphere of influence. CEOs, teachers, doctors, businessmen and women in our church who want us to help them think through how the Bible, beliefs, and spiritual habits uniquely impact their vocation. And as we commission our people in their vocations, what they're already doing, we help them to see that what they do matters to God. Because for so often we've had this divide between the sacred and the secular. What Pastor Bob does, that's sacred. What I do, I, I just, you know, I'm an electrician. Or, you know, I, I work at Edison. Or I, I bag groceries. No, you are a missionary everywhere you work. And God has you exactly where he wants you because you're reaching people that I'll never reach and that the person sitting next to you will never reach. And so it's understanding that all meaningful work brings glory to God. We are we're the priesthood of all believers. We are all called to shine the light and spread the gospel wherever we are. And so the last part is sending. J.T. English argues that the church that focuses on training without sending is missionless, while a church that focuses on sending without training is purposeless. We don't want to be either one of those. We have a responsibility to send everyone we train and train everyone we send. But it's not enough for us to be enamored with this idea of, of, and committed to the idea of sending people. It's essential that we have these intentional pathways so that people can understand uh, what they need to know before they are sent out and commissioned. And they can understand how to participate in the mission of God. And that's where we're going to need your help. You know, what's the menu of topics and subjects that we want to cover in our discipleship program? And you can speak into that. I was arguing with the staff that I personally would argue for apologetics over just teaching theology because to study apologetics, you have to understand theology. But it's not just, hey, I know the doctrine of atonement. I know the doctrine of uh, transubstantiation or whatever it is. But it's, I know that doctrine, and I'm able to teach it and argue it in a way that convince other people of the truth of Scripture. So knowing our faith and how to defend it, I think is very... But we want your input. We want your involvement in that. One of the most overlooked aspects of sending is intentionally sending our disciples that we train up back into the ministries of the local church. We always think that we, when we disciple somebody, we need to send them out to minister to the nations. But Deep Discipleship argues, you know, why not start by sending them back within the ministries of your own church and children's ministry, youth ministry, the leadership here, so that they can model and learn before they go out to the rest of the community and the world. And really it's biblical because Ephesians 4.12 reminds us that the primary purpose of discipleship in the local church is to build up more disciples who will build up the body of Christ. Start with the body of Christ in the local church before we go out sharing that message with the world. If our church ever becomes a place where you, the congregation, is just an audience rather than participants, then we've wandered far away from the New Testament model of the church. So often you can sit out there and say, engage me, Pastor Bob, entertain me, say something I don't know, rather than to feel a responsibility in this, which is what we all need to have. 
Ministry isn't something that the CBC's church staff does. It's something that we all do together. And it's the responsibility of the CBC staff and elders and deacons, your church leadership, to equip you to be part of that process with us so that together we can all do it. So I'm going to close with some quick takeaways. I love what author and pastor Mark Batterson says. He says, if you're bored in your Christian walk, one thing is for sure, that you are not following in the footsteps of Christ. If your Christianity has become boring, then perhaps it's because you're not following in discipleship where Christ has called us to follow him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. He said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. And how quickly we can be teaching and training things that don't really matter. Pastor and author John Ortberg says, Jesus didn't tell his friends, go into the world and make Christians. He told them to go into the world and make disciples. In fact, the Bible uses the word disciple 269 times. The New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, for disciples. Jesus' good news is that eternal life, life with God and life for God, life under God's care and life by God's power is available right now. And if you want that life, the logical step is to become a disciple, a student, an apprentice, a follower of Jesus. I love this last line. Discipleship is the way we learn to live the life that Jesus offers. Do you want the life that Jesus offers? The way to latch hold of that and make it real for you and your family is discipleship and to be part of this process. Space asked the question, where does discipleship happen in the church? And I said, we need to provide and reclaim learning environments. And in each one of those, we need to be asking people, what are you learning and who are you teaching? Scope is about what disciples need. And we're convinced that people need to have Bible knowledge, they need to know beliefs, and they need to understand Christian spiritual formation. Sequence is how do they grow? How do we take people from one level to the next? And finally, sending, where do disciples go? They go back into the local church and serve, and then they go out in the community and to the ends of the earth. That's the plan. We'll commit to being a church that both trains and sends. Because a church that is passionate about discipleship is also a church that's passionate about missions. It's not, well, we're a church that builds up believers. We're not a church that reaches the lost. No. A heart for one involves a heart for the other. God has called us to do both. And I close with this quote. It's a, it's a guy named Jim Putnam. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, the staff and I went to a missionary retreat because I'm licensed and ordained in the missionary church denomination. And he was a speaker, and he spoke on discipleship. And this is a quote from him. He says, Discipleship is not merely the transfer of information that leads to behavior modification. If discipleship is just transferring information and controlling your behavior, which, honestly, that's the way it's been in the church for a long time. We, we want people to be good, moral people, and so we're going to control them by teaching them the right things. But if you teach people the right things and they don't have the heart for it, it's just legalism. So it's not that. Discipleship is not merely the transfer of information leading to behavior modification. No. Discipleship at its heart involves transformation. 
by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and in relationship with the people of God. That's our vision. That's something that will keep us busy for the next 10 years and honestly until Jesus comes back. It's something that's bigger than me. It's something that's bigger than the staff or the elders or the deacons. It's something that takes all of us. And we are inviting you to be part of this, to help shape this, to help make this happen because this is what we're called to do. This is more than events and programs. This is our roadmap. Let's pray. Father God, We know that a disciple is a follower of you, but often beyond that we get kind of fuzzy. And we don't really understand what it means to lead somebody into a relationship with you where they will follow you and potentially they could become the next pastor of this church because they not only have teaching gifts or communication skills, but they know your word. They know the doctrines of the faith. They understand Christian formation and how that works and spiritual disciplines. God, they, they have a comprehensive understanding of discipleship, and they are able to teach others who will then in turn be able to teach others. God, it's such a simple vision, and yet we as a, a capital C church, not just CBC, but the church, we've dropped the ball because we're learning all kinds of great stuff, and we fail to often transfer it and pass it on. So would you light a fire under us and help us to be dedicated to seeing this to completion and fulfillment. Well, thank you for that. And Lord God, today as we have the opportunity to give back to you of our tithes and offerings, we ask that you would take the money that we give to meet the needs of this church and the the church staff here and the ministries in this community that we support and the missionaries around the world who are furthering your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.